And so now I skip ahead quite a few years in the Bible to a passage that I believe is, is, is perfect when we talk through what it means to be revived. And you see, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about the importance of praying big prayers. We have talked about that God still uses people to prophesy to these dry bones. We open it up with that, that he calls us to reach those who are dead in their walk. And that even the, the slightest of whispers can then deem life necessary and big things begin to take place. And, and so we have, we have walked this walk of revival and what it looks like and, and, and that God is always there in the fire. And I love it because time and time again, we see that God is the God of literally everything. It's not a life thing. It's not, he's just the God of us. He's in scripture. It's very clear in Isaiah that he is the God of the trees. He's the God of the rocks. He's the God of the stones. He's the God of the grass. He's the God of the skies, of the birds, of the animals, of literally everything. And then in scripture, you see that he is very much the God of fire. He takes care of that. He can cast the fire away and protect you from that. You see time and time again where he splits the waters or he walks on water. He is the God and the Lord of everything. And so I ask you this, before we even jump in this, what does he deserve in response from you when it comes to that? And so I think about that and I, and I think about what's going on and, and, and how things are happening in revival for us and people have come to know the Lord and we praise God dearly for that. That's exciting. People are getting baptized and, and people are, are, are sharing his gospel and that's incredible. But you know what? That sometimes can be very short-lived. Sometimes we just get on this, this spiritual high. But I'm challenging you this, is that this is a time to get yourself right with the Lord. And not only that, but to take what you have, to take what you have learned, to take what you've developed and get ready for what God has in store for you. And that's where it leads us today. It can, we are in John chapter 4 today, and, and it's, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You know what? I say that often, but it's just so true. Every time you, you dig into something and you dig into something, God has another message for you, a different story, something else to work through your life when it comes to that. And here it is. Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. And, and so Jesus, he's, he's finding out about these Pharisees and they're keeping track of what they're doing and all these different things are happening. And, and here he is, Jesus goes on ahead and he ends up in Samaria. And there is this, this woman over here and uh, you just got to picture this. You got this big well in the middle of town and this is where people would get their water, their water for drinking, their water for bathing, whatever it may be that they needed water for, this is where they would go. And I love it because Jesus finds himself in a place where he's sitting on this well and he's just relaxing for a minute. And the Samaritan woman comes over and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of confronts Jesus in a, in a sense. And, and Jesus asks her for some water. Well, she was a little dumbfounded by that question because Jews did not really relate. Jesus didn't really talk to or, or anything with the Samaritans. And so why would this Jewish man be asking for something like this? And so all of a sudden you go on and, and you begin to, to read through of, of what it looks like. But the question simply is this, who do you associate yourself with? I want you to seriously think about that for a minute. Who do you associate with? 
Because here she is saying, Jews don't talk to us. Jews are too good for us. They don't, they don't correspond with us. Why are you talking to us? And so I, I ask you that one and simple question. Who do you, who do you uh, associate with? Because when the Samaritan woman in verse 7 came to, came to draw the uh, water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked, for you, uh, asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. You see, we stop right there for just a minute. And I absolutely love this because here he is, Jesus is just talking to this woman. He's showing her her worth and her value just in the words. Simply, look, I'm not separating this. I'm not putting a label on, on who you are and, and, and who it is that you walk with. Like, I'm going to sit here and talk with you for a minute. And so I want to challenge us to have that conversation. Because Jesus starts that conversation in verse 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start there again. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. And then he, he goes on from there in verse 11. The woman says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is so deep. You've got nothing. How do you expect to get water? Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and, and, and as, as he did for his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to the eternal life. There are about a hundred sermons that you could preach from this. But I believe right now, in this time of revival, the biggest thing that we can learn from this is to simply have that conversation. So many times in our walks, so many times we get, we get so worried about that conversation. We get worried about stepping on somebody's toes or, or somebody not agreeing with what we believe in or somebody not agreeing with what we might be saying. And so therefore, we don't say it because that's against social norms. That's against what we believe. That's against, it's against everything that society tells us. And so we are afraid to have that conversation. We don't have that conversation. And so I want to challenge you in this time of revival to pray bold but in the same time, have those bold conversations. Here Jesus is, I believe he was kicked back having a good conversation with this woman, and she was just dumbfounded that he would even talk to him at this point. And so I challenge us that we need to have this conversation because it goes on. Jesus told her, listen to this, go and call your husband and come back. Go get your husband, come back to the well with him. And Jesus knew what he was saying at this time because listen to this. He says, uh, she says this, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are, white, you are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, the fact is, is that you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is so true. Then she says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. I can see you're a prophet. You can see what happened. You can see the things that went on. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes the truth can be hard. 
Sometimes people might point something out in your past, but it's your testimony. It's what sets you apart. And I absolutely love that because, because here it is, this, this woman is sitting here talking to Jesus and she has no idea who she's talking to. And we're going to see that here in just a minute that she really has no idea who it is that she's having a talk with. And, and she's even waiting and excited in anticipation for what's to come from the Savior. And, and here he is talking to her and, and literally lays out the truth to her. And, and I want to tell you this, that sometimes that truth needs to be revealed to you again. Sometimes you need to be able to hear that. Sometimes you need to see the reality of what life looks like because it made you stronger. I believe that my past made me who I am today, and there's a purpose for that. There's a reason for the things that happened. There's a reason for the different things that took place in my life in the past, and they lay out a testimony that will help and develop others. So you see this woman, God uses women many times in Scripture, and I absolutely love that because he's using literally everybody. And what's so important about this is that here he is, God in the flesh, talking to this woman that no Jew would ever have a talk with, and he is telling her about life and how it can be and how it can be everlasting if you just have this water. And, and here he is having this talk with her, and it moves on, and I love this because as they continue to talk, this woman says, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on the mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied. That's a whole sermon in itself. Woman, Jesus replied. But here it is. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yes, salvation is from the Jews. He is salvation. He is literally there in the flesh. And I love it because he is standing on the truth. And, he, and this is where he's at. He is telling her the truth and the reality of what things are. And she still has no idea who she is or who he is. And this is incredible. And I want you to think about this for a minute because sometimes we need to have those talks. And I want to tell you to stand on the truth. Don't reinvent the wheel. Don't try to make something up. Don't try to make something out of it that's not. So many times I believe that Christians are so guilty of making things and taking things and transforming things to fit their need and to fit the need of the conversation. But do not do that. Stand firm on the truth and the reality of what it truly is. Do not go and reinvent the wheel. Not too long ago, maybe a year ago, my wife and I were driving in our car and we, we saw this bumper sticker. And uh, the bumper sticker... Uh, had the scripture on it. It had a it had a saying. I can't remember what it was. And then it had this it had the scripture on it. We were like, really? That scripture says that? Like this is incredible. This is the coolest thing ever. Let's see. And so we real quick pulled up the Bible, and it had no relationship to it. Like that scripture was so manipulated to match what it is that they were trying to make happen on that bumper sticker. It was incredible. But it doesn't stop there. I hear it time and time again. In fact, I've heard it from stages where preachers are preaching. I have heard it on podcasts. I have heard it live on different things. I have seen it from people. It is the scariest thing that we can get ourselves into because we are teaching false words. And so here Jesus is. He's teaching her the word. He's telling her what's going on. And then I absolutely love this because we're going to start back in, in verse 23. Yet time is coming and now... And now has come the time when the true worshipers will worship the Father and the Spirit and the truth. 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Be truthful. Give it all that you have. Then in verse 25, the woman said this. Listen to this. I love this. This is one of my favorite parts of this. I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I love that conversation. She looks at Jesus and he's telling her, like she's telling him this, like, hey, this, this Messiah, Christ is coming. Like he'll explain it to us. Like, this is cool. We're having this talk. We're, we're bridging this gap that's been here that, that our people don't talk together. We don't talk, we don't talk things out, but here it is. We're bridging this gap. And when the Messiah comes, he'll explain it to us. He'll tell us all about this living water. He'll tell us all about these different things. And then all of a sudden, I love it because Jesus is just sitting there. He's had this whole time. He could have just told her straight from the beginning, like, hey, yo, I'm the one they call Christ. Like, give me some water, please. Like, come on now. But he didn't. He didn't throw that out there. He heard her out. He had that talk. He had that conversation. Because then in verse 25 or 26, he says this. Jesus declared. It wasn't he said it. Jesus declared. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. The one that you're waiting on, the one that you're waiting for answers from, I am he. Be yourself. Be you. You don't need to label yourself to have a conversation with somebody. And I think that all too often we feel like we need to go out and just label ourselves to people before we have that conversation. Jesus could have very easily started everything with just that I am he. But he had that talk. He had that heart to heart. There was a gap bridge there that, that she was not expecting to take place. And when it happened by just a, a Jew, just a random Jew in her heart, in her mind right there, it meant the world to her. You know, if you go up to somebody and shake their hand and say, hey, I'm a Christian, I go to church every week, and you start your conversation that way, it's going to look a whole lot different than if you just love on somebody and hear them out. And so here's my challenge in revival. We've talked about how God protects you. We've talked about how we interact with God. We've talked about the way that God works and how he, he chooses to use us. But we're winding down in this series, in this time. And, and like I said, there's a hundred different scriptures or sermons we could have preached from this. But what I believe in this time, in this day, the most important thing that we can learn from this is to have that conversation. Have that conversation. Don't be afraid to talk. Don't be afraid to to have that talk and to tell people about what is bigger and what is there for you. We're all too often too afraid to have that talk, to have that journey, and we don't know where to start. You can read this scripture over and over again. Jesus started with a drink of water. Can I have a drink of water? I'm thirsty. Would you like to get dinner? Would you like to grab a coffee? Conversations start. And then big things can begin to happen. I'm excited to see what God has in store and God has planned for us as a church as we continue in this time. But I want to challenge you in this time to really focus in on what it is that God has for you. Who is it that he is calling you to talk to? I want to challenge us as a church to the same thing that I used to challenge my youth group to. We're adults. A lot of us that are watching right now are adults. And I'm going to challenge you to this because you're driving. Most of you watching this, if you're an adult, you're driving. 
Who can sit in your passenger seat on a Sunday morning? Who can sit in your rear seat on a Sunday morning? On a Tuesday night when you come to Bible study? Where can that conversation begin? Who is it that you can pick up and bring? Who is it that you can pick the phone up and give a call to and ask them to show up and sit with you? It's that conversation that starts and then big things begin to take place. We have testimony after testimony. Next week, you're going to hear one of them where it started simply with an invite to come to church, the coming to church just to satisfy a friend, all of a sudden then to surrender their heart to Jesus and now are getting baptized. And you're going to hear that testimony next week and I'm excited about that. But it starts with that conversation.